Hello everybody, it's me, Jefferson. Welcome back to another episode of the Daily Anime Podcast. And today, we're going to talk about episode 3 of Legend of the Galactic Heroes, titled The Birth of the 13th Fleet. And now, I think before I want to jump into the episode, I just want to make a comment that this episode and episodes like it are is the real reason why people like Legend of the Galactic Heroes. I'm pretty sure that I said this at the end of the last episode, but I, I just have to say it again because this episode is pretty damn amazing. This episode is why Legend of the Galactic Heroes is functionally like West Wing the anime. Um, and it's, it's really good. Like, even watching this again, like, I notice things more. It's like, oh... Alright, that character is actually a little bit more interesting than he was, like, the first time around, etc. But, now, to dive into this episode, it opens up at the capital of the Free Planet Alliance, um, Hynasin Polis. And here, the Allied forces are holding a memorial service for the soldiers killed at the Battle of Astat. The episode then moves to Yang Winley's home, where we are introduced to Yulian Mincy. Or Julian Mincy. They say Yulian, they say Yudian, so like I'm Japanese, so I'm used to just saying Yudian, Yudian. Anyways, but yeah, he's an orphan who is adopted by Yang Wenli, and Julian is telling him to wake up to go to memorial service, and Yang tells him that Nah, I don't want to go. This really, if we're gonna have a memorial service, you don't honor me. Um, a survivor, you honor the people who died, and um, neither me nor the survivors are going to be honored because it's really all just going to be about the Secretary of Defense job, Trunhit, uh, Trunhit, Trunit, Trunite. In the Japanese, they say Trunit, Trunit, um, Trunit. I'm not too sure how to say it, but basically, that he will use this battle in this memorial service as a means to build his political base in Yang. I think as we would find this form of political opportunism to be disgusting and refuses to go. Even though he's supposed to. And, and so, like, I think it's interesting um, because we see Yang Wenli in only two episodes and we've got a pretty good sense of who he is. He's very intelligent, very well-read, and carefree. And at the same point, and Sidney Sidalette uh, um, one. Uh, one of the his higher ups who we see him telling him the secretary of defense like yo yang isn't gonna show up he's interesting i just want to mention him because he's one of the only black characters you ever see um and because like when they introduce him they also introduce alex Kazelnu. um he's like another side character but you know they, they gave him the, the whole the name title card and we'll see it like every time because there's so many people to keep to keep up with but he becomes at least somewhat important later on so they're both pretty important to mention but anyways uh Cidolet is just like yo um young is just like he was back in the day back when he was at officer school so i'm um, basically that he hasn't really grown too much but it's also interesting to see how Yang refuses to be called a hero. He's just like, I survived. I'm not a hero. The heroes are the people who died. And Kazelnu, um, basically telling him, is like, hey, you fucked up. Um, you're supposed to be down here. Is like, you know, that's the reason why they need you to be a hero. It's because so many people died. Um, the Secretary of Defense and the War Party, the people who are pro-war need a hero from this battle 
And I also just want to mention that um, over the years, I've given Julian a lot of shit because I've just seen him. And like every time I just think, oh, my God, he's so boring. Why is he given screen time? Why are characters like him given screen time? And maybe he does get kind of boring later, but like he's functionally like the shonen protagonist, although he's not like the hot hearted, etc. And more like this sort of reserved type character. And that's why I'm so like thrown off by him. Watching this episode again, I can tell that he's actually at least a lot more of a character. While I find, like, his kind of meekness and, like, desire to not have debt over him to be pretty standard, I actually kind of find it a little bit more charming. Um, And, like, there's this interaction where he tells Yang that he wants to join the military because he gives X reason that he wants to pay back for his education that the state's paid for him. And Yang says, no, let me pay for it. If I had a choice, I would have never become a soldier. I just wanted to pursue my education and study history. I didn't want to wage war, but this was the only way he could actually pay for it. And that's interesting. Like, I really like that interaction because although Yang isn't really much of a father figure, there is that father-e element of, hey, you don't have to do this. Um, But, I mean, Julian being naive, and I'll just say it, he, like, joins the military later. But yeah, anyways, then it cuts to the, um, like, as we watch them, watch the television broadcast, and it cuts to the, like, actual events where it's happening. And the service is pretty much everything that Yang Wenli fears it would be. The setup we see actually reminds me of Triumph of the Will in terms of how grandiose the stage is and how well-ordered and amazingly large the audience is. And although the difference would be is that everyone's wearing all black and in mourning. But everything is super organized. And it is all to build up the Secretary of Defense. And we see him, like, projected as, like, some of the sort of amazing larger-than-life figure um, up on the video screen when it's like, wow, okay, this is actually really kind of disgusting. But then I think what's... um. I think there's like a little kind of playful scene a little bit. Trinit, um, the Secretary of Defense, asked the question, why did 1.5 million soldiers have to die? Yang, watching back from home, is just like, because the chief executive planning directions were bad. Trinit, um, the Secretary of Defense, we see him answer with like some stupid patriotic drivel. Like, we could just expect, like, oh, man, you know, they gave up their lives to protect the motherland. And then he's just like, yo, citizens, you need to give up more for freedom. And so, basically, in an organized chant, the people attending the service um, say, down with the empire and long live the alliance. Some type of stuff like that. And then, amidst all this chanting and all his speech... We see a, a lone woman walking down the aisle, um, and as a, lo and behold, it's Jessica Edwards, the woman who we saw in episode two, mourning the loss of her fiance, and she is like, I think it's funny because we see her and she's so small, she's dwarfed by the audience, and she's also dwarfed by the stage that Trinidad has like built for him. To be up, and also when we see Trinity, he's also very small, and that's interesting. 
And I want to remind you that this is all during the live broadcast. And she states who she is. And Trinhead stops. And is just like, yo, okay, all right, who are you? She states who she is, who she's lost. And then asks him the basic questions, the type of, where were you? Where were you who glorify the dead? Where is your family? Are you practicing what you speech? Obviously implying that Trinit is just um, basically just using all these deaths in her fiance's death as a means to just further his career goals. Trinit has the guards take her away. Yang sees that she's in danger and then rushes to his a- rushes to her aid. Uh, with Dusty Attenborough, the friend we saw with him in episode two, and Trinhit, immediate um, humiliated, has the band play the national anthem, and the audience and the choir sing it, and that's at least the end of us seeing what happens. What happens next is really interesting because we see her walk uh, Edwards walking away alone from the memorial service. And then as she's walking, we see that she's followed by a bunch of goons who call themselves the Patriotics Night Corps, or the PKC, who are functionally like the KKK, except that they are directly controlled by Trinate. Um, and I'm sure that there's like probably like an actual parallel to events happening in Prussian history or whatever, but I honestly don't know of any off the top of my head. But as they are about to lynch her, um, they hum the national anthem, so it takes on a sort of different tone where we were already kind of estranged. Oh, all right, is is kind of not kind of creepy how everyone's just like built into this narrative, but it takes on an even creepier um, like role when we see them about to go murder this woman. But right at the last minute, Yang and Attenborough arrive and they rescue her. The Knights Corps trace her car to Attenborough, um, trace the car to Attenborough, and correctly assume that Yang Winley is involved. And so when they go to Yang's house, they find that the PKC are waiting for them to hand over Jessica, and they start to attack the house. Julian sets off the fire hose system, alerting the firefighters, and the PKC runs off. And then Yang goes over to Trinit's house and just asks him. Um, to guarantee Jessica Edwards' freedom. Trinit gives in, but this is what sets up the creation, the title of the episode, the creation of the 13th Fleet. The 13th Fleet doesn't yet exist, but what he, and has the military do, is have Yang Winley lead a small fleet to siege the Iserlone Fort that we saw in episode 2. Which means that he is going to functionally mirror what Lohengram did for the Empire in Episode 2 for the Free Planet Alliance for an actual strategic objective that would work more in the Free Planet Alliance favor. And I, I want to mention one more thing from this episode. Because there's this small story at the end. And Yang Winley is at an airport. He's seeing Jessica Edwards off. And a grandmother and her young grandson approaches Yang, and she asks him to shake his her grandson's hand so that he'll become a brave soldier like Yang Wenli, you know? He'll become the hero that the war party wants. This kid seems pretty nervous. Yang looks at him, and then he just looks at her and just, like, 
says, you know, by the time he grows up, we'll probably live in a peaceful age. You won't need to force him to be a soldier. And I really like that scene. Because, I mean, while he probably, I don't know, while he can maybe see it or maybe doesn't see it, but obviously has that hope, is like, hey, you know, I want war. That sucks. And then we see him walk off alone into the distant night. And, you know, the narrator gives us some parting words and the credits roll. And this episode is awesome. And so is episode four. But I'm pretty excited to talk about that. I want to make, like, one last comment that I was thinking about Jessica Edwards' questions to the Secretary of Defense. was that they, like, go back to the sort of populist argument. It was like, oh, we have all of these war hawks who are part of the political elite who, you know, their childrens aren't the ones going to war. Which, to me, is a lot like the... Clarence Creed Water Revival, Clarence Clearwater. I'm not entirely sure what the name is, but it's that song, Fortunate Son, that like you might hear in a Call of Duty commercial or something like that. That's, to me, is really weird that it would be in a Call of Duty commercial because that is an anti-war song accusing all the war hawks and the people who want to wage war of that sort of same hypocrisy that you have to give your life for country it was like you motherfuckers aren't giving up your life your children aren't the ones dying etc etc so i don't know it's like really ironic to see people just being like oh yeah you should like honor our country, yeah, et cetera, et cetera, because it has that like grassroots appeal to it. So, and like, I don't know, it's so ironic to me that I can just attach it to a video game that is just a false battle simulation where you just go in and you live out your fantasy of like military violence when you don't have the other parts of military life where it's the sort of quiet waiting being bored waiting training etc etc i don't know i don't know it's just like we have all this glorified violence and you also have that sort of absolute distance from any sort of real violence because you are playing a computer game you are you know just living it out through like all these pixels on screens and images and to me that just this is so divorced from the original meaning of the song and like motherfuckers who actually go and actually die in war (laughs) not because they want to die but because shit happens and i mean i'm not gonna go in and just be like oh yeah soldiers are like the most honorable people at war but it's like They're the people and the citizens who are in their crossfires on accident or not accident. And I'm not just saying U.S. soldiers, but just soldiers in general. It's just like, those are the motherfuckers who die. I don't know. Obviously, I have a lot of opinions on this. Anyways, um, if y'all are interested in giving me some feedback, go ahead and leave a comment on the blog, dailyanimepodcast.com, or send me a tweet at daily anime pod you know or send me an email daily anime podcast at gmail.com i would love to hear feedback 
I think it is a little ridiculous how, I guess, in depth I go at these episodes because I'm mostly just writing notes um, as I watch the episode and I'll just pause it and I was like, yo, I just saw something really cool and I want to like talk about it a little bit. And I was like, you know, that's really just kind of pointless because this is already like half the length of these episodes. <laughs> you should just might as well go and watch the episodes. Um, but you know, I hope that y'all enjoy listening to my voice. If you think that this should be shorter or not, you know, just let me know. Um, or if maybe I shouldn't even do this, if I should keep my synopsis super brief and just be like, hey, these are a couple of things that I really liked about the episode instead of just going through it and describing elements of the plot that I liked. Anyways, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, I hope to be a little bit more frequent with this and, you know, have a nice day.